healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Welcome back to another episode of Revenue Cycle Optimized. I am Kate Tingley, Director of Marketing here at Infinix. I am pleased to be joined by Sam Beatenbow, who is our credentialing expert here at Infinix. And we're going to chat about credentialing and some of the challenges and also provide some tips into how to avoid some pitfalls around credentialing. So welcome, Sam. Happy to have you here. Hey, Kate. Great to be here. All right. So let's kick things off with talking about what the biggest challenges are related to credentialing. So really the first point is avoiding denials. And how you can do that is pushing the provider start date out at least three months to allow that credentialing to process. Mm -hmm. And another point is to keep that communication flow consistent with the other staff in your practice so they're aware of the new hire status with each carrier and schedule the patients appropriately. Moving forward with that, like uh, adapting to ever-changing credentialing processes with each payer is a big challenge, um, especially Medicare and Medicaid because it's constantly changing. Uh, Meeting those deadlines for initial and recredentialing, the maintenance of the portals uh, such as CAQH, um, and then negotiating the rates with the payers that are sustainable and within market. Um, So since COVID-19 and even the recent talks of a recession, Mm -hmm. Uh, The payers are being more frugal in closing their networks. So some payers have downsized their credentialing staff, and that results in like longer processing times and more follow-up. Right. So those, those are some challenges. How do you see credentialing as being a burden and a headache to practice staff? So really credentialing, it's application filling, stuff like that, right? And you can't fill out an application without the documentation from the provider. So Mm -hmm. gathering all those documents, it's a full range of things. Like, and it's a lot of information. So obtaining that from the provider is one of the biggest burdens. And being that credentialing takes so long, sometimes up to six months, there's Mm -hmm. consistent follow-up throughout that entire process. So some find that to be one of the biggest burdens as well. And really, this goes back to what I was saying about communication with the scheduling team. So really, the RCM process, it starts from the scheduling point, like right when that patient walks in the door and schedules that appointment, Mm -hmm. hands you their insurance card. So communication with those team members is one of the biggest things because it all trickles down to, you know, throughout the RCM process, impacts the revenue. So some staff find that to be a burden and difficult to do, but we notice how important that is. For sure. I remember visiting a credentialer a couple of years ago, and she showed me the stack of paperwork on her desk, and it was literally about as tall as she was, um, and said, this is just my immediate pile. Um, So it's definitely a headache and definitely a lot of work, especially that follow-up piece for practice staff. What credentialing tips do you have? 
really before you even start the process mm-hmm. or like filling out the application and submitting it, get an idea of what the payer's documentation requirements are so you can mm-hmm. provide all that information up front. Because if you miss one document, it delays the entire thing. Like you'll have to wait because they have to reach out and, you know, request the document that they're missing. And they could have just had it from the very start. And that provider has to go back in the queue for processing. So it could take another additional two weeks or something um, that it delayed. So some pairs will sometimes reject practices from joining their network Mm -hmm. because they believe their networks are saturated, right? So my advice is to figure out what differentiates you guys from your competitors, right? So you're not afraid to plead your case and you can appeal that information if they actually do reject you from their network. Right. And going back to like the contracting side, um, right when you get that agreement, don't just sign it and submit it to the payer. Like review it, review those rates. Don't be afraid to ask for revisions, you know, because inflation and everything going on like you don't want to just sign an agreement because these payers because of this whole inflation thing like they're they're lowering their rates purposely and they're hoping providers will not read that information before they submit it to them so just don't be afraid to ask for better rates and don't be afraid to ask for things that might benefit you as a practice to insert into that agreement that's really good advice I think it's always harder once you've contracted to go in and negotiate versus negotiating from the beginning. So that's really good advice. And I think this is last question is probably a good reminder. How does credentialing impact the patient? We talk a lot about how it impacts revenue, which is obviously important for practices, but I think it's also important to touch on the fact that it does, it can impact the patient as well. So where do you see that? So if the provider's not credentialed, they're considered out in network. Right. So that obviously impacts the patient's financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. And really, it impacts their relationship with the practice as a whole and the provider because they're incentivized to just go to another practice if they run into an issue with yours. Yeah, and that's a that real- ultimately impacts their care as well. Right. I think we sometimes see um, providers switch practices, patients um, who maybe are kind of mid-care or have a strong relationship with their provider will follow. And then, like you just said, that can impact patient care because you can't get them scheduled until the credentialing is done. So it's important to, and like you said, it can leave a bad taste in a patient's mouth if they get scheduled before credentialing is done. And then all of a sudden they get a bill because the provider's out of network. So definitely something to stay on top of and make sure you're not impacting patients with that. Yeah. And that affects their confidence in them as a practice as a whole too. Right. It makes the practice seem really unorganized. So this has been great. Lots of really helpful information. Any last minute words of advice you would give folks before we end? Really, like, right when a provider comes on board, right, you want to get everything submitted right then and there. But I would advise to delay their start date at least two to three months to allow time for that credentialing to process. Like, that would be one of my biggest tips because, you know, most practices, they just hire the provider 
right then and there, they start seeing patients and that causes a whole bunch of denials. So, you know, just, just know there is a time frame like for things and like you should give it time to process. Right. Hire the provider initially. Right. Definitely good advice for sure. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we look forward to having you join us next week. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.